Welcome to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm James Early. This is the place to explore and rediscover the original Christianity of Jesus. Each week, we take a fresh look at the Bible and dig down beneath the surface of things to the deep spiritual meaning and see how we can apply it in our daily lives to learn how to pray more effectively, experience the healing presence of God in your life, and begin to get a taste of what Jesus meant when he promised us that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, let's jump right in. Welcome back to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. This is episode number 61. Today's topic, your name is written in heaven. Have you ever wondered what it might have been like to have lived at the time of Jesus? Think about what it must have been like to hear him preach, to watch him heal someone. Maybe you would go to him for yourself or a family member, and there would be a healing. So today, let's think about what it might have been like to be one of Jesus' followers while he was here on earth, how we met him, why we started following him, all that sort of thing. I think when we consider those things, it might help us follow him more closely today. So here we are back in Bible times. Let's just imagine one day you're going about your business and all of a sudden everyone is going somewhere and and you wonder what's going on. And someone says, Oh, there's that new rabbi. He's going to talk to everybody. Come on, let's go. And so you follow along out of curiosity and you wonder who this guy is. You hadn't heard about any new rabbi that was in town. So you come up to the Sea of Galilee and there's a pretty big crowd. And pretty soon this guy starts talking. It's very different from what you've heard other rabbis say. He starts blessing everyone and he says that, You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. That's really kind of a refreshing message. He's showing all this interest and compassion. Most of the religious leaders of the day talk about how we're just a bunch of miserable sinners. This guy's telling us that we're the children of God. But he's saying some pretty interesting things, though, about loving your neighbors, but also loving your enemies. Well, that's kind of crazy. Where's this guy coming from? But the more you listen, you realize that he's really got some important ideas here. He's saying things about the commandments that you'd never thought about before. Well, like, take the commandment, don't kill, don't murder. He says, don't even be angry with your brother. It's like, yeah, when you're angry, that's kind of like killing somebody. You probably had never thought of it quite that way before. The more you hear him talk, the more you realize You want to hear everything he has to say. There's a certain sense of God's love and his very presence that comes over you. A sense of peace that you've really never experienced before. And so you want to try to get up and say thank you to this guy. Of course, there are hundreds and hundreds of people there. Probably thousands of people are listening to him. It's kind of hard to get up to the front, but you make your way up there. You realize he's got this little group of 12 men that are like his students. And you start thinking, wow, I'd love to be one of those guys so I could be with him more often and and hear everything he has to say. 
Over the next few days, you pay attention, you're alert to where this guy's going. You find out his name is Jesus. He's from the town of Nazareth. What he says is so full of truth and love. And he really knows the scriptures, that's for sure. So you find out where he's going to talk next. The more you follow, the more you show up, he starts to notice you. And you start to notice him noticing you. And he comes up to you and says, Hey there, I've noticed you several times listening to me. Would you like to uh, have a chat? And your heart just jumps for joy. Of course, you'd love to have a chat with him. So you get to know him. You get to appreciate him in a very special way. And you feel a special closeness with him. Well, the more you hear him and the more you follow him around and the more you watch the way he interacts with people and the way he heals people, the way he's compassionate with people that other people really don't want to have anything to do with, and especially the way he talks back to the Pharisees and Sadducees, that just makes you love him even more. You want to be part of this movement that he's started. You want to be part of things because you really believe what he's saying. And you start to wonder, could this man be the Messiah that we've been waiting for for so long? Gosh, that would be incredible. I I don't know if it's possible, but well, what if it is? I'm going to stay with him. My heart tells me that he just might be the Messiah. One day, you go to hear Jesus talk, and you notice that those 12 disciples of his aren't there. And you find out that Jesus had sent them out into the countryside to various towns to preach this gospel of salvation, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and to heal the sick. And you start thinking, wow, so he's getting them to do everything he was doing. It's not just him that can do it, it's his followers too. And that becomes an aha moment for you, and you realize, Well, if Jesus is doing this and he's teaching his students and giving them the power to do that, then maybe I could have this ability as well to preach and to heal in the way that Jesus does. Oh, I don't know. That may be blasphemous for me to think that about myself. I mean, I'm just little old me. I'm just a normal person. Not too long after that, Jesus is with a large group of his followers. And he starts asking people to come up closer to him. And there are like 50 or 60 people up there already. And all of a sudden, you hear him call your name. And you run up there and you wonder what's going on. And you just can't believe that he's called you out of the crowd. Then he calls a few more people as well. And it turns out there are about 70 or 72 people. And he starts telling you he's got something really important for you to do. He pairs everyone off in twos, and he says, I'm sending you out to preach the gospel of the kingdom. I want you to tell everyone about the kingdom of heaven, and I want you to heal the sick as you go. And he gives a lot of other instructions as well as to what to take and what not to take, how to behave, how to treat people when you meet them, how to greet them with peace, and what to do if people don't respond to the message. He gives some really practical advice. And all of a sudden, he says, okay, go on. There you go. You go here. You go there. You two go down over here. 
So you go off with the fellow Jesus matched you up with, and you've heard everything he said. So you know what the message is. And all of a sudden, you start thinking, how am I going to say these words in the same way that he did? How am I going to tell people the same thing that he has said? And so you start reviewing in your mind, well, okay, he's talking about the kingdom, and he quotes the Bible a lot, so I can talk about those things. And then you start thinking, oh, but he said I'm supposed to heal the sick. I don't know how that's going to happen. Well, how did he do it? Sometimes he rebuked the evil spirits. Sometimes he just told them that they were already well and to get up and walk. I guess I'll just have to trust God to put the words in my mouth. So you go off and you preach and you find people that are receptive to the message. And you can't believe it. Most people are pretty open to what you have to say. You even pray for some people and they're healed right in front of your eyes. You and your partner are just amazed at the incredible things that God is doing through you as you're talking to these people. Yeah, there are a few people that slam the door in your face. So you just move on and find someone else to talk to. All of a sudden, it sort of feels like, hey, I think we're done. So you and your new friend that you've been traveling around with go back to Capernaum and you're thinking, we've got to find Jesus and tell him all these incredible things that we've done. And the really amazing thing is that as you're coming back to Capernaum, you notice all these other pairs of people coming back to Capernaum too. Everybody's sort of coming back at the same time. And Jesus is there to greet you. All of you are standing around Jesus and you are telling him these amazing things that have happened, how people have been healed and evil spirits have been cast out. The hospitality that people have shown you has been incredible and the way that you were provided for. He had told you not to take any money, not to take a purse, not to take anything with you, just to trust God to give you everything you needed. There were all these wonderful stories of how God had provided for people places to stay, food to eat, and how they had been guided to talk to people about Jesus and about the kingdom of heaven. Well, Jesus has the biggest smile on his face that you can imagine. And it's your turn. You and the guy that you went out with tell Jesus and the crowd everything that you did. You're just beaming with pride and and amazement that these things could happen and that you could have done them. Well, you know it was God doing it, and you did it in the name of Jesus. You told everybody about Jesus because you were really preparing the way for him to come and talk to the people. But in the process, amazing things happened. When everyone has finished sharing their experiences, Jesus is silent for a few minutes. And you can see he's very thoughtful, filled with gratitude, filled with love, filled with appreciation for everything that you and all these other people have done. And then he says something really pretty surprising. He says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Whoa, that's what he saw. We saw people being healed. What Jesus saw was the powers of evil being destroyed and losing their influence. Then he said, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions 
and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Wow, you kind of felt like that's how things were while you were out there doing that. And now he's affirming that he gave you this power and this authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. You didn't actually step on literal serpents or scorpions. Those poisonous animals were just metaphors that Jesus was using. And you suddenly realize, oh, what we were doing, we were destroying the works of the devil. We were destroying the devil's poisons in the world. Every time we healed someone with God's power, it was destroying the power of the enemy. You'd never thought of it that way before. And everyone there sort of getting puffed up a little bit. They feel like, oh, we've got all this power and authority. And you can sort of see the crowd standing up a little taller. And then Jesus brings you back down to earth and he says, don't get excited about the fact that you heal people, that the spirits are subject to you. Instead, I want you to rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now, that is something you had definitely not thought about. Jesus was taking this to a much different level. You thought you had just gone out to preach the gospel and to help some people, heal some people, tell people about Jesus. And Jesus is saying a whole lot more is going on that you have power over all of Satan's devices, his serpents and scorpions, but you're not even supposed to get excited about that. You realize you're supposed to rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Now, let's come back to the present day, and I want to talk about the implication of what that means, that your name is written in heaven. It's a pretty cool idea even before you begin to think about what it really means on a deeper level. Your name is written in heaven. Well, that sounds pretty comforting, doesn't it? Now, other places in the Bible, it talks about names being written in the book of life. Jesus does not use that phrase ever. We're not going to discuss it in that context. So I'm just going to talk about where he says here that your name is written in heaven. The first question then is, Who is Jesus talking to when he says this? He's talking to his disciples. He had many more disciples than just the 12 apostles. In this case, he appointed 70. Actually, some ancient manuscripts say 72. So it depends on which translation you read. But it's the same group of people. It's not until they come back that he tells them that their names are written in heaven and that that's what they should be rejoicing over. I think this is really significant because he's really saying, start with the fact that your name is in heaven. He's saying, don't put the cart before the horse. Don't get all proud and self-important because you were able to do these mighty things. It's not about you doing them. It's about the fact that God does them. Jesus could have told these followers that their names were written in heaven ahead of time. Maybe they weren't ready to understand what that meant. And what does it really mean for your name to be written in heaven? Is there some place literally where the letters of your name are spelled out somewhere in heaven? It means so much more than that. Jesus was using this as a metaphor. The word name in Greek really means the essence of who someone is. It covers everything 
that is associated with that person that you would think of when you hear that person's name, whatever their rank or position was, the authority had, the interest they had, the things they did for fun, the way they interacted with people, their deeds or lack of deeds, the type of person they were, their character, their nature, their essence. That's what the word name means, is the essence of someone. Jesus is saying the true essence of these men Their true identity is written, is inscribed, is established in heaven. It always has been and always will be. This is a very different view from the religious teaching of his day and, frankly, a lot of the religious teaching of our day. Jesus was declaring a deep spiritual fact here about who we are as children of God. As I said, he was saying this to his followers people whom he had called to do a specific task and that had done it and came back and told him about it. So how does this relate to you and me? If you believe in Jesus, you too have been called to bear witness to the truth that he taught, to bear witness to the fact that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He told all of his followers, that includes you and me, to go out into the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations. Well, that doesn't mean that each one of us does everything. It means we all work together. It's a collective command, really. So we each do our part, whatever that might be. But as we do that, we are responding to the call that's upon us when we believe in Jesus. So that's why I believe that Jesus' comment that your name is written in heaven applies to you and me as well. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have been called to let the gospel shine forth from the way that you live your life. To the degree that you do that, you will begin to understand that your name is written in heaven. It's not about all these great things that you may do. And some people seem to do more important things than others. You may feel like, You've done a better job of preaching the gospel and healing the sick and doing whatever these great, wonderful works are than others have. Or you may feel the reverse, that others have done so much more than you and you don't even compare. None of that matters in God's eyes. What matters is that you're doing what God has called you to do. One of the important points here is that we're not supposed to get all puffed up with pride over the good that we do when we're preaching the gospel. It doesn't matter what amazing things happen. You may feel like miraculous things have happened because of the way that you have told people about Jesus or preached the gospel or let your light shine, however you want to put it. And you may feel pretty important about that. But Jesus puts us back in our place when he says, don't be rejoicing over that. I want you to rejoice because of what's spiritually true about who you are, and that is that your true spiritual identity is grounded, is rooted, is written, is established in heaven. And what is heaven? Well, we could talk for days and days about that. Heaven is the kingdom of God. Heaven is where everything is good and pure and true. There's no sin or sickness or disease or tears or death or sorrow or pain. There's only God's infinite love and infinite harmony. 
That's where your name is. That's where your true spiritual essence is right now. It's already there. It's always been there. As I said, that goes against a lot of religious teaching, but this is what Jesus is saying to his followers. One time I asked one of my mentors, what is the most important lesson that you have ever learned? And this is a guy who has done so much to preach the gospel with amazing fruits, lots of healings, lots of hearts coming to Christ, lots of hearts becoming more Christ-like as they grow in Christ. And when I asked him that question, he didn't refer to any of these great things he's done. He said the most important thing to him was humility. I have never forgotten that. And it's helped me keep on track a lot of times when I get pretty impressed with myself because of something God has done through my efforts. We need to remember that humility that gives all the glory to God. And the thing that we can glory in and rejoice in is that we're children of God. Paul says that we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. That's kind of the same thing, I think, as having your name, your true essence, written in heaven. We have all these phrases and all these metaphors and all these sayings to keep getting back to the same thing, to help us understand more thoroughly that we are the children of God and we have a rich inheritance as children of God. It's our birthright, our spiritual birthright. Please take a minute now and think about some time when God has answered your prayer and something amazing has happened. It could be small or big. It doesn't matter. But some beautiful thing has come about because of something God has done in your life. You know, we tend to get so excited. We think that's what's made us happy. That's the thing we're grateful for. I think Jesus is saying, take your gratitude your glory, your rejoicing up a notch. He's saying, don't get so excited about those things that have happened, however wonderful and spiritual they are. He says, get to the heart of it and really rejoice and be grateful because your name is written in heaven. Your true spiritual identity is established without regard to past, present, or future. It's something that's already established. And by the way, the original Greek verb is in the indicative mood, which means it's not an opinion, it's an established fact. To me, this is a wonderful promise. When we are called by God to follow Jesus and let our lights shine out into the world and share this wonderful good news about Jesus, about the kingdom of heaven with those around us, the same thing that Jesus said to those 70 people, applies to us. He said, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, that refers to Satan, to evil, and nothing shall hurt you. It doesn't mean we won't have challenges, but nothing can hurt you, your true essence of who you are, because that is established in heaven the true essence of who you really are spiritually as a child of God, is safe in heaven and can't be touched because nothing evil or harmful can enter heaven. So you are safe. That gives us such a sense of assurance and confidence and trust in what Jesus has told us. If you've never really thought about the fact that 
your name is written in heaven, I hope you will ponder this idea and the implications of what it means. If you have already embraced that wonderful promise that your name is written in heaven, ponder it more deeply. Let your light shine more brightly. Expand the circle of your influence and those who you can help. God has put the love of Christ in our hearts. It can't just stay there. It has to go out into the world. You are not made the light of the world to be kept under a bushel basket, to just light your own house. The idea of the light is to go out and share it with others. It's a wonderful time of year to think about this with Christmas coming up. We need to prepare our hearts for more of Christ's appearing. And the more that we realize our part in that, the more Christ will appear through us as the light of the world to help others. So join me this week in pondering deeply the fact, the established fact for all eternity that your name is written in heaven. Thank you so much for listening this week. I really appreciate you being here. And if you found this helpful, please share it with a friend. Let's get the message out there. A lot of people in the world don't know how much God loves them. And this just might be the episode that helps them realize how precious they are in God's eyes. If you have any questions or comments, I'd love to hear from you. You can contact me through the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com. Just click on the contact tab. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, you can also do that on the website on the contact page. As always, in the show notes page for this episode, I will have the Bible references printed out so you can study those. Just go to thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash 061. Thank you again so much for listening. I'm James Early with the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Have a wonderful week. Take care. We'll see you next time. God bless.